Good morning. Merry Christmas. All right. You've got a personal name in there. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to First Peter. Um, when I was first asked to, to kind of do this morning, uh, I, was, I was given uh, kind of a guideline of let's do kind of a 10 to 15 minute devotional time. And so I'm kind of thinking, okay, what's devotional time going to look like? And, and Paul and I are kind of running through some ideas back and forth together. And we had this kind of a brilliant idea where we were going to get two leather chairs here, one on each side, and we we're going to kind of just sit in them together. Um, and then we we're going to bring a Christmas tree on stage. And what we were thinking, man, let, let's make it feel like we just woke up Christmas morning. And, and then it, it kept progressing as to, well, well, let's literally wake up here and let's, let's bring in a tent and we'll have kind of the opening here and you'll be on this side and I'll be on this side and, and Paul, you get your silk onesie, I'll be in my velour uh, jumpsuit. It's, it's going to be awesome. Um, then it just got awkward. Like, what, what do you do at that point? You're like, wake up, hello, uh, good morning. But uh, we, we do kind of want this, this warm Christmas feeling. Um, so here's kind of my, my best rendition of a warm a Christmas devotional, which really is, is going to be nothing less than let's praise God this morning. Let's praise Jesus because really he's why we're here. So um, I don't know it's going to, if it's going to be you know hot chocolate and apple cider, but I do know that we're here to praise God. So that's what we're going to do today. And uh, like I said, we're going to be in the book of First Peter. So for those of you who think this is going to be a full-on sermon, don't worry. Also, uh, I got dinner in California waiting for me, so I got to get out of here. My wife is watching the clock. So here we go. Let's pray. Let's get into it and uh, see if God uh, has a special word for us this Christmas morning. Jesus, we come to you this morning really uh, kind of with a spirit of thanksgiving more than anything. Uh, thankful that you came to this earth to set us free, to give us life, to give us life to the fullest. Lord, we come here this morning from all different places. Some of us are eager to be here. Some of us got dragged here. Um, some of us really have nowhere else to go, so why not? It's Sunday. It's, uh, it's a day to go to church. Let's, let's find somewhere. So, so we're here. So Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask, as I always do, that you would work through your word and, and somehow move us to draw ourselves closer to you so that we may worship you and give you glory and honor. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful to be part of this family, part of your children. Today, we respond to the grace that is ours through your Son, Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. So um, I gave it to myself kind of a personal challenge uh, to, to find a Christmas message out of First Peter, because we've been going through First Peter in the fall. And I said, hey, why not? Let, let's keep going here. I, I want to I figure out how to do Christmas out of this. So here's my best shot. First Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, just listen carefully. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who are preaching the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So here's what we're doing this morning. I'm really just going to ask 
three simple questions about this passage. Three questions that we're going to answer one by one. So first one is this. Why, why did the prophets look so intently? Why were they so keen on figuring out what this salvation is all about? That's the first question. The second question is, what has been announced? Uh, in verse 12, it says that there's been an announcement. So we're going to look at, well, what is this announcement? And then the last question that we're going to answer is, why do the angels long to look? Like, what, what's so special that, that causes angels to want to look down and say, wow, what's going on there? I want in on that. I'm curious about what's happening. So question number one, why? Why did the prophets search for this salvation? Why is it so important? In the Old Testament, prophets were looking for this thing called salvation. Now, what was that? And why, why were they searching? So, so if you've gotten to know me at all, you know that oftentimes I like to start in the very beginning in Genesis. So in Genesis, we have this God who, who creates everything out of nothing, right? And he creates man, he creates Adam and Eve, and he throws them into this beautiful garden. And he says, it's all yours. Anything you want, you can do anything. Enjoy everything I've made. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Enjoy. Eat any of the food you want. Do anything. Enjoy one another. You, you adults know what I'm saying. Do anything. It's beautiful. It's all yours. Just, just one thing. One thing I don't want you to do. There, there's this one thing I don't want you to do. Now, now if you're younger in here this morning, a, any kids... We got, we got some kids in here, right? So, so I, I, some 18-year-olds in the back, yeah. So some of you kids got drugged here, yeah, you're 10. If you're 30 and you got drugged here, no excuse. All right, that's on you. But here, hear, hear me out. If, if you're a little kid, try to imagine this. All right, let's, let's say you're 13 years old and, and you're going to Disneyland. Right? Anyone? Disneyland? Anyone? I, I love Disneyland. Yeah, we got kids? Good. Disneyland, right? So let's pretend that you're going to Disneyland and your parents get you that magic ticket. They pay for it, and that ticket will let you go anywhere you want to go in the whole park. Not only that, but you can get any food that you want. You can eat at any place. You can do anything. And you're 13, and your parents say, you're free. You can go on your own. You can do anything. Just meet us back here tonight at the end of the night, but you can have the whole day to do anything you want. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that would have been awesome. That would have been totally awesome. So I would have gone and, and just explore. Oh, but one thing, one thing, mom and dad say, there's one thing you can't do. We don't want you to get two jumbo chili dogs from Corn Dog Castle and then go on Mad Tea Party. And for those of you who were depraved as a child, Mad Tea Party is kind of the spinny cup thing where you go round and round and round. That's just the one rule. Do anything you want. Just don't do that. So as a kid, you go and you explore, and it is awesome, right? You're going on, on all the rides. You're hitting Splash Mountain. You're hitting Drop Zone. Any, anything. It's, it's beautiful. You're doing anything. You're eating all the food. You're going everywhere, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just amazing, right? And then you're, you're going through kind of the, the tortilla factory, which, yes, kids go through because the tortillas are amazing. And you find someone next to you, another 13-year-old boy, and you start talking. You become friends. And he says, hey, I have a wonderful idea. Have you ever eaten two jumbo chili dogs? and then gone on Mad Tea Party. And there's something in the back of your mind that says, mom and dad told me I'm not allowed to do that. And you say something to him like, oh, uh, I'm not really supposed to do that. And, and he says, oh, but everyone's doing it. It's so fun. So, so yeah, well, okay, I guess everyone's doing it. This, this guy seems cool. He's 14. I'm 13. Yeah, let's, this is cool. Well, I'll follow him. So you go and, and you get that first jumbo chili hot dog. And it's, it's good, but it's just not quite enough. So you got to get that second 
jumbo chili hot dog. And you're mowing down the second one, and then you're both finished, and you are absolutely stuffed. And you're, you're kind of just looking at each other like, there's only one thing left to do at this point. Right? There's only one thing. So you slowly get up, and you take your tray, and then you throw it away, and you're slowly walking toward Mad Tea Party. And that walk becomes quicker and quicker. And then you're running, and you cannot wait to get on Mad Tea Party. And you get in line, and there's no one there. And the operator says, come, sit down. And you come, and you buckle in. But all of a sudden, that 14-year-old, he kind of just slips out and says, oh, oh, I'm not allowed to do this. i gotta, I got to leave. And you're stuck on Mad Tea Party. And operator pushes start, and you start going round and around it. And not only does it start getting faster and faster, but your individual cup starts spinning faster and faster and faster as you're going as hard as you can because you're 13. And then it happens, right? <laughs> like the stomach says, no, thank you, hot dog number one. No, thank you, hot dog number two. And you do whatever you can. And it's it's gone. Like you, you, you're coming over, your hands are here, but then it just splashes into your face. I mean, it's it's everywhere. This is just a nasty, nasty mess. And the operator, he yanks the e-brake. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the, and the cute girl across from you wants nothing to do with you anymore. You, you're done. Right? Operator says, get out. And, and you kind of get up. And you, you can't even walk. You're so dizzy. Like, you're so sick. you got puke all over you. Your day at Disneyland is, is really done. Right? I mean, no more Matterhorn. No more Space Mountain. Not even Jungle Cruise. Right? You're stuck now in the Tiki Room. Right? You're stuck listening to nothing but birds all day long, and you can't enjoy any of Disneyland. You can't enjoy any of it. And God says, that's what happened to us. I gave you everything. You could have had anything you wanted. There was one rule, and I gave it to you for your good, and we broke it. And when we broke that rule, the world was shattered. And sin entered the world. And from here on out, every person who has ever lived has experienced life not the way it's supposed to be. Right? We've lived and we do live in a broken world. And it's a frustrating world. Right? We, we know that there's got to be more than, than what's here. We know that. And everyone will agree that something is wrong with the world. Right? We can disagree on how to fix that, but everyone's in agreement that something has fundamentally gone wrong with the way that the world is supposed to be, right? And another frustrating thing is everyone's kind of trying to sell us the fix to that problem. You know, oh, get this new car and people will like you and you'll get friends or, or wear these new jeans and that guy you like, he will come and he will, he will satisfy anything you've ever wanted, right? But we know that that isn't the case. We know that things don't satisfy us. So even though we spend our lives chasing these things, Unfortunately, we can't fix the problem. We can't run away or buy anything that will fix the desire in us to fix what's broken because what's broken is us, right? From the inside, we are broken. We are born sinners, right? I'm not just a man who sins. I am a sinner. There's a big difference here. I can't get away from myself. I can't do it. So here I am stuck in the tiki room. I'm stuck. I got vomit all over me. There's, there's no way out. I, I'm stuck. I, I'm sick. I can't do anything. And it's from that point in Genesis 3 when God says, I'm sending a way out. I have a cure for this. I have the answer for this. I have the fix to our problem. 
And from Genesis 3 on through the rest of the Old Testament, we really have story after story after story of of prophet after prophet after prophet from Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all those guys who in the middle of their pain, because really if you look at those stories, they're all stories of people not doing what God has asked them to do. In the middle of their brokenness, these prophets are saying there's more to come. There's more to come. Life gets better than this. There's going to be a fix. We know that there's going to be an answer to our problem. And his name is Jesus. He's coming. He's coming. So they spent their lives looking for that one person. So to answer the first question, what were they looking for? They're looking for the solution to our brokenness. They're looking for the solution to the world that says, Oh, I want more than this. I know that there's more than this. And they're saying, yes, there is more than this. It is to come. Question number two, what's been announced? What has been announced to us? Pastor Andy read it to us, right, in Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto you today in the city of David, a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Right, so here's the announcement. Finally, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people have been waiting for the fix to the problem, and it's here. It's here for the first time, and an angel comes to a bunch of shepherds, a bunch of nobodies, a bunch of people just like you and I, and he says, the fix to the world's brokenness is finally here and he does it to a bunch of shepherds like wouldn't we think that after thousands of years the most important people talking about the fix to our problem wouldn't we think that they'd announce that to someone a little bit more important than people kind of out on the outskirts of society no because god knows that that everyone needs the fix to that problem he knows that i need it he knows that you need it he knows that the shepherds needed that answer that Jesus is here, that he's born for me, that he's born for you, that he cares about us individually, that he cares about you and I. And he says, I have come to clean you. I've come to set you free. The announcement has been made. Jesus Christ, the, the answer to the world's brokenness is finally here. And it's such good news that Luke says, suddenly not only was there one angel, but the whole sky lights up. The whole sky and everyone is singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom he is pleased. The whole sky, they're saying, finally, it's here. Finally, the thing that we've been waiting for for so long is here. Right? John says, behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world is here. Finally, we've been waiting for him and he is here. So what's the announcement? What are they longing for? That Jesus, the one who's going to fix everything, is finally, finally here. And last question, what do the angels long to look at? Why does it say the angels long to look in? Right? Angels kind of have a front row seat, if you will. Right? They're watching. They were there in the beginning in Genesis when Adam and Eve took what they were told not to take it. And you could just hear them, no, don't do it, don't do it. God said not to, don't do it. 
And they were there when God says, I'm going to make all of this better. And they were in anticipation, waiting and waiting. Jesus, when are you going to go? When are you going to go? When's this going to happen? I want to, I want to see. I, I long to be a part of this. I want to know what's going to happen. They, they want in on it. They want to know. So not only do they want to know, but there's another reason too. And it comes from the word grace in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. See, angels don't understand the full weight of the word grace because they don't know what it's like to be fallen. They don't know what it's like to be without that Savior because they've been with Him the whole time. They don't know what it's like to be hurting, to be broken, to be without. And they want to know, what does it feel like to be in that position and have God of the world say, I'm here for you, I'm sending an answer to this. They want to know what that grace feels like. They want to know the weight and the depth of that. They want to know. They want to be there. They want to feel it. So Peter says they long to look in. They long to see. They want to know what is this amazing grace? What's so stunning about grace? I want to feel it. So this morning, that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. We want to feel the weight of that grace. See, a lot of us know what it's like to be, to be in that position where, where you are hurting, where you know that something has gone wrong. And Peter's here to say that something is us. We've gone wrong, and we need the grace of Jesus. And finally, the angels say, he's here. He's finally here. And we can look back on that day and say, God, you've come. You fulfilled your promise to us. You've given us this grace that we do not deserve. What a joy it is. So this morning, we're, we're going to take communion right now, kind of as a response to this grace. So, so ushers, would you come forward? Would you grab communion and, and, and hear me carefully? We're going we're gonna to pass it out. And, and in your seat, on your own, you, you're going to take the, the bread first, and then you're going to take the cup. And Paul's not going to tell you, well, everyone drink now. I, I want you to think about... Are you excited about this gift? What, what is the weight that, that, that is carried with this gift of grace that God has given us? I, I want you to hold that for a minute, and I want you to think about what God has done for you, what God has done for us today. And, and when you're ready, on your own, go ahead and, and take that as a remembrance of really what's happened here. So let's pray and, and give thanks. Lord, you are a glorious God. Uh, on a day like Christmas, all we can do is say thank you. All we can do, because we have been so surprised by grace. We haven't deserved any of it. We've been broken. We've been hurting. We've been longing for a Savior. Lord, the whole Old Testament, thousands and thousands of years, people have been saying, when are you going to come? When are you going to come? When are you going to come? And on that night, to the shepherds, your angels announced, you're finally here. And we look back on that and we say, yes, Jesus, we, we need you. Give us life, please. We love you. Amen.